0: The friends or, or, you know, maybe your own company uh, which you seek. There are things which make you especially you. And we, of course, believe as Christians that God made you in that way. But this series is about discovering who Jesus is. It's about looking at the claims of Jesus in John's Gospel and, and exploring who he said he was. Because back in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus... God said, I am who I am. I am God. So what does that mean for us today? And that's what we're going to be exploring in this series. Now, I'm going to be talking about your geography, so you might want to pick up your Bibles. And in the back of the Bibles, you'll find some maps. And one of these maps is uh, very helpful to us today, and i'm just so the map that shows the Holy Land at the time of jesus i 'm sorry i don 't have a, a page number, but um, but it 's in the back of the church bibles. So the Holy Land in the time of Jesus, Jesus is traveling from south to north he 's traveling from um, Jerusalem. In the south, which you'll find almost, you know, to the bottom of the map. And he's traveling up towards Galilee in the north. And just so you can identify it, um, virtually dead center in the middle of the page is Sychar, um, which we're going to be talking a lot about, which is the scene for this morning's encounter. So take a moment, get your bearings. Jesus is traveling from south and Jerusalem to north and Galilee, And the encounter today takes place in Sychar, which is almost dead center in the middle of the page. Um, We believe, as Christians, that Jesus is the way to eternal life and salvation. And as you look at that map, observe Jesus' route through the Gentile country of Samaria whilst he travelled with his disciples from Jerusalem to Galilee. Now, please note that in Jesus' time, strict Jews may well have opted for the much longer route which saw, um, which saw them cross the River Jordan, if you're still looking at your map, so to cross the River Jordan and go up um, that side of the river towards Galilee, rather than go through the Samaritan country and places like Sychar because if you were a strict Jew, you did not go through Samaritan country. So it was perfectly conceivable, in fact it may well have been the expectation, that rather than Jesus take the shortest, most expedient route, but the one which took him through Samaritan country, Jesus would have actually gone the long way around and crossed the Jordan River to go up north and to go to Galilee. The world will tell you that there are many routes, that there are many ways to God, just as there are several ways in in, in Jesus' time of getting from Jerusalem um, in Judea to Galilee in the north. But scripture reminds us repeatedly that the only true way is through Jesus Christ and that there are no detours. The focus of our lives needs to be on Jesus In travelling through Samaria, Jesus was focused on healing and extending forgiveness. That's what we see in this encounter this morning with the Samaritan woman at the well. But the focus of some others at the time was to avoid defilement. It was essentially religion. Now here's an important point. Living holy lives is important. Living God-honouring lives is important. But the way we do this is to focus on Jesus Christ and to try and be committed radical followers of Jesus rather than focus on a set of legalistic rules and doctrines that comes from other sources. I've shared this definition of sin and brokenness with you before. But if you see sin not so much as the exact things that we do which are wrong, but as the turning away from Jesus Christ and the turning away from the way of life that Jesus calls us to live, then repentance is turning back towards Jesus full circle and being restored by him. If we set our sights on Jesus, then we believe that we become ever more into his likeness. If we set our sights on a set of rules or religion or doctrine, then we often find that we fail because we can't live up to uh, this complete set of rules that we struggle to live. If our focus is on religion, we will go wrong. If it's on seeking Jesus by faith, then we won't. The um, adventurer who's been on TV a lot, Bear Grylls, um, said this, Christianity is not about religion, it's about faith about being held, about being forgiven. It's about finding joy and finding home. We all want that, but nobody seems to want religion. Why do people turn away from faith? They're not. They're turning away from religion most of the time. And he said this, I've yet to meet anyone who doesn't want to be forgiven or held or find peace or find joy in their life. So let's look at some of the things that Jesus teaches us in John chapter 4 this morning. First of all, I am he who is present. Jesus met people physically. In fact, more than that, he went out of his way to meet them. And let's not lose sight of the reality that I mentioned earlier, that in travelling from Jerusalem to Galilee, Jesus chose to take the route through Samaria. He chose to find the woman at the well just outside the town of Sychar. Was that accidental? No. Jesus knew what he was doing. He acted purposefully and in a planned way throughout the scriptures. So it was no accident that Jesus chose to take this route to find this woman. I am he who is present in people's lives. Jesus searches out people um, to help them to discover who he is. Next, I am he who is authentic. Peer pressure, facing the crowd, giving in for an easier life, choosing the path of least resistance. The passage sets up the two choices, the two routes that Jesus could have taken. He could have taken the the route that everyone would expect him to take, the route that would have met with no conflict, the route that would have seen him observe the practices of strict Jews at the time. But no, he chooses to take the route which brings him into gossip, which brings him into people saying, you know, why is why is Jesus taking that route? Why is he meeting with that woman? Why is he going through that area? But Jesus is authentic. You know, sometimes we're challenged in our lives, aren't we, Um, to live more authentically, to live with greater authenticity in our lives. And sometimes we find ourselves given into situations because we don't want the opposition, we don't want the conflict. Uh, And can I tell you that sometimes on a bad day when I'm lacking energy, I fall into that camp as well. If there's a path of least resistance, and my energy is low, and my resilience is low, I find myself tempted to take the path which doesn't bring me into conflict. But sometimes we know that we're called to live a certain way. And we know that sometimes that that way will, will lead us into opposition, will lead us into conflict. Jesus knew that his way of life would lead him into a place where he would go to the cross, where he would be reviled for who he was and what he said. But he still chose to live an authentic life. I am he who encounters. There's a whole stream of encounters in John's Gospel. In chapter 1, John encounters Jesus. Andrew, Simon, Philip and Nathaniel. In chapter 2, a whole wedding guest list encounters Jesus. In chapter 3, Nicodemus encounters Jesus. And then in chapter 4, the Samaritan woman encounters Jesus. And in all these encounters, the reality of Jesus as the Son of God persuades people of the authenticity of his message and the reality of who Jesus is. So to Andrew and Simon and Philip and Nathanael, Jesus says, come and follow me. And we'll come back to that phrase, come and follow me, in a bit. Some translations read, come and see. And his words carry such an authority that they leave behind all that they have and significant parts of their identity to follow Jesus. In Cana, Jesus transforms uh, water into wine and reveals his supernatural power. With Nicodemus, Jesus is challenging the Pharisee to be born again. And then we encounter the Samaritan woman. So let's walk through this encounter and see what we can learn from it. Let's start with uh, verses 4 to 6. If you've got your Bibles open, we're back in John chapter 4. And let's just read um, these words again. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of, uh, plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Jesus arrives in Sicar and comes to the plot of land on which sits Jacob's well. Now, this is one of those times when Old Testament and New hangs together, and we can learn something from both. So if you fancy Bible hopping with me, can you go back to Genesis um, and chapter 33 and verse 18? That's Genesis chapter 33 and verse 18. Genesis chapter 33 and verse 18. This time Jacob is traveling. And Jacob came from Paddan Aram. He arrived safely at the city of Shechem in Canaan and camped within sight of the city. For a hundred pieces of silver he bought from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, the plot of ground where he pitched his tent. There he set up an altar and called it El-Halohe-Israel. So Jacob's come to this place near Shechem. And if you were still looking at the maps at the back of the Bible, you would find Sichar and Shechem are right next to each other. So so Jacob um, purchases this piece of land, which is just outside the city. And the exciting thing for me is that Jacob is purchasing this land in about 1900 um, years BC. So, before Jesus was even born, 1900 years before Jesus was born, Jacob comes to this plot of land and he buys it and he sets up an altar, a sign of God's presence, a symbol of the covenant that God has with his people and of the sacrifice of the people. This is holy land. This is a place that Jacob has set up to be holy. And the name of the altar, El Elohe Israel, means mighty God. So we know that Jacob has travelled this land. And if we flip back to John chapter 4, we now learn that Jacob has built a well on this land too. And I hope I'm not over scripture too much when I say this. But it excites me that an encounter um, that Jacob had with this plot of land, who set up an altar and a well there 1,900 years before Jesus, suddenly becomes the site on which Jesus meets this Samaritan woman at that well, at that same well. This is holy ground. So we have our setting and its significance Next we have the initial exchange in verses 7 onwards. Jesus asks the woman for a drink and immediately the woman draws out the elephant in the room in verse 9. She says, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Now, the passage could have been cut short at this point as Jesus asked the Samaritan woman for a drink. The Samaritan woman, aware of the tension and conflict um, between the two um, tribes, could have said, No, no, I don't have a drink for you. Go away. You're not one of my kind. But instead, she does something different. Can you think what you do if someone's talking to you and you're interested? What what do you do if, if, you're, if someone's conversing with you and you become interested in what they're saying? What do you do? Sorry? Listen. listen. You listen. You ask them questions. This woman is asking Jesus a question. She's trying to understand why it is that Jesus should come to her, even as a Jew, and ask her, a Samaritan woman, for a drink. This woman is interested in... In Jesus, there's something about Jesus which is capturing her. And is it just tribal loyalties here? Or does this woman look at Jesus and feel unworthy? In the rest of the passage, um, when Jesus tries to persuade her that he is the living water and she begins to respond, does she not feel unworthy And if she does, she's not alone. If we were to go back in John's Gospel to chapter 1, we would see John pointing people to Jesus. And John, of course, comes out with that line, even as Jesus' messenger, that he is not worthy to stoop down and untie the throng of Jesus' sandals. John doesn't feel worthy. The Samaritan woman doesn't feel worthy. But Jesus still meets with her. So I wonder how worthy you feel this morning of encountering Jesus. I wonder how worthy you felt when you first encountered Jesus, whether that was a grown awareness of Jesus in your life or whether there was a critical point where you gave your life to the Lord and he became your saviour. I wonder how worthy you felt when you first encountered Jesus. And it's so easy, isn't it? To feel that we are not worthy of Jesus' time, of Jesus' love, of his forgiveness. It's so easy to think that because I am who I am, then he cannot be that to me. Does that make sense? Because I am, warts and all, who I am, then Jesus can't possibly be God or saviour or redeemer to me. Because I'm just too bad, I'm too unworthy of that. But Jesus offers this woman living water, water which won't run out, water which won't dry out. And he tells her that, you know, she is called to worship in spirit and in truth. Jesus went to Sychar to meet this woman. Jesus asks a drink of her because he has made her worthy. Jesus invites you and I to encounter him because through the cross he has made us worthy to stand in his presence. Jesus has made you worthy. And I want to go back to other encounters just briefly. If you turn with me to chapter 1 of John's Gospel. And if we look um, in verses 43 following um, at the encounter of Jesus with Philip and Nathanael, we'll find Philip saying in verse 46, Come and see. Come and see. And Philip is saying this to Nathanael because it was known through the prophecies of the Old Testament that Jesus was to come from Bethlehem, and yet here is Jesus coming from Nazareth. So Nathaniel questions how it can be that Jesus, who John has just pointed to as the Messiah, is actually coming from Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth, says Nathanael. Come and see, says Philip. Come and see who Jesus is. Come and watch what he does. Come and listen to what he says. Come and spend time and get to know him and and who he is. And if you're here this morning and you're not sold out on Jesus, if you're here this morning and you're doubting who Jesus is and, and you've still got major questions about whether this faith is for you, can I say that that's okay? That's okay. Because Jesus embraces doubters. Jesus embraces those who are asking questions. Nathanael was asking questions. Could this possibly be Jesus if he comes out of Nazareth? Come and see, says Philip. So it's okay to have doubts. It's okay to have questions. You're welcome here if you do. But come and see Jesus. Come and encounter him week in, week out. Come and meet him in the pages of the Bible. Come and spend time with him in worship and prayer. Come and let him show you what he can do in your life. Come and see. Because Philip is confident that when Nathaniel sees who Jesus really is, he will believe. You know, um, spiritual writers, um, and if you go to the books on the shelves of bookshops and so on, there's, there's a whole range of um, things that you can tap into. And almost a part of our society is, is the belief that um, your way is fine so long as you hold it with integrity, and my way is also fine so long as I hold it with integrity, and and her way is also fine so long as she holds it with integrity. And and, and people would say that there are so many routes to God, that there are so many ways which are true, and I think it's a trap. I don't think Jesus calls us to religion, but I don't think Jesus calls us to a life where we can choose our way regardless um, of truth. Jesus is the truth. Jesus offers people salvation, and to those who come with questions, he doesn't turn them away, but he says, come and spend time with me, get to know me, see what I do, see what I say, see who I am, and then you will believe that I am the Lord, the Messiah. I am the one who comes to rescue you, who comes to redeem your lives. I am he, I am God. And you know there's a final thing that I want to share with you because there's a scary thing here for us as a church. The church is Jesus' body on earth. We are the body of Christ. We are not the building. We meet in different places in Camborne and the church of God meets in different places throughout the world. We are his body. And so the invitation to come and see the authenticity of who Jesus is as Lord has to be lived out through us as his disciples, as his followers. And so we have to be bold and to invite people to come and see who Jesus is. To come and see how we live our lives because of what Jesus has done for us and because of the gift of the Spirit working through us. And that's the challenging part, isn't it? Because we feel unworthy. So as I draw my remarks to a close, let's pray together that we would be accepting of who we are in Christ. Let's pray that Jesus, in his love and forgiveness and grace, would allow us to pester him with questions, to barrage him with questions and concerns, to say, Jesus, I don't get this, but I see enough in you to believe that you are Lord. Father God, come and move mightily in our lives so that through us and your whole body, which is the church, people may come and see that Jesus Christ is Lord and that Jesus is the way to the Father. Come, Holy Spirit, and continue your work in us. Amen.